Amen. Amen. So coffee with Jesus, coffee with Jesus, coffee with Jesus, coffee with Jesus is what we're doing. And so, yeah. And so even in 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 our in, in our reading the word, we want to be able to truly eat. When you eat your food, um, I feel the world, the Bible, the Bible talks about a glutton spirit. And one of the spirits that are, is in the world is a glutton spirit. What is a glutton spirit? A glutton just eats for the purpose of eating, just so I can consume it. I just want to be able to consume it. And and a person that has that type of glutton spirit, his God is his stomach. And every time he sees something, he just want to put it in his mouth. That do you taste it? Do you enjoy those things? And I think people operate and do things in life like that. They just do things. They just do this and they do that and they do this. They date whoever. You can have a gluttonous spirit dating people. You can have a gluttonous spirit uh um, having relationships with people where you really don't get to know them. You just want to have people so that you can have friends. It's almost like the, it's like the Facebook like, or the, or the IG like where you post something and, and you, and you live for the likes you live for people pushing that thing and saying, Oh, I like what you said. And you feed off of that. That's unhealthy. You're seeking for affirmation from an unhealthy, unhealthy affiliate and if you allow it to be the thing that determines whether you are liked or not Mm -hmm. trust me people will pat you on the back and like your thing today and guess what what if no one likes your thing tomorrow because they are doing life or they're doing work or they're they're too busy or maybe they just didn't like what you post Mm -hmm. and you would get offended your whole life would be just ruined because you have hinged your life on what people think of you. I need that. I need that validation. I need that. I need that. And so we don't want that. That's unhealthy. That's not the way God designed us to be. That is the, that is the curse of the fall. But we don't want to have this glutton spirit when it comes to the word of God. The word of God is, is something to cherish and take our time with it. Eat of it. Learn of me. Taste and see that I'm good. Taste the fruits of the spirit. How can I know who God is if I'm in a hurry to get through his word like a checklist? Oh, I did my devotions today. Or I read my scripture today. Or I read my passage today. But I don't take no time with him. He told the disciples when they were asking about parables. Jesus gave a lot of parables. Mm. This is my new cut for my trip. (laughs) And Jesus gave a lot of parables. And when he gave parables, he spoke in what parables is a dark saying, or it's like a riddle that you have to unravel. But Jesus would tell him, he that has an ear, let him hear, or he that has a discerning heart. And he's not talking about hearing with these ears. He's talking about hearing with the ears of the heart. Do you have a discerning ear to understand what I'm saying? Some people hear, but don't understand what you're saying. It's almost like it's like with women and men. When a woman says something, sometimes she doesn't say directly what she's saying from here. She'll say words. And sometimes they expect us to be mind readers and hear their heart. And it's not that it's we, they want us to be mind readers. What it is, is if you are intently listening, you'll hear, oh, I hear what you're not saying. Ah, this is what you really mean. Because a lot of times things get lost in translation. Sometimes we can't communicate effectively 
what we're saying. Sometimes we we want to say these things, but we can't, or sometimes we just don't have the language, ability to, um, to communicate. But with the Holy Spirit, it allows us to be able to, if you're listening to the person you're talking to, if you're really engaged in them, you'll hear what the heart is saying. It's the same thing with the word of God. When we sit down and read the word, if you allow, if you sit and truly block out all the thoughts, block out all this other stuff that you're thinking, but truly engage, whether it's just a scripture, whether it's just a few scriptures, but if you're fully involved, you will hear the logos, the written word, whisper to you the rhema. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The logos is alive, even though it's on paper. Paper does not define whether it is alive or dead. The word of God can be on paper, can be on billboard, can be on a TV screen, and it is alive. And if you are engaged or if you have this heart to seek him, you'll what? You'll find him. Then the logos will whisper the rhema word. What is rhema? Rhema is revelation. It's revelation of the logos. It's revelation of what God is saying. It's revelation of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is revealed to you and I. It is not known by the flesh. Flesh and blood cannot tell you anything about the kingdom of God. So if you are just reading it for face value, you are not really ascertaining anything. You're not gathering anything. Your faith is not even built. You'll say, well, you're wrong. Because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, I'll tell you, friend, you've heard a lot of word and you've read a lot of word and your faith and your faith has not grown. Why? Because it is not grown based on you reading, based on you hearing it. It, it grows based on Jesus being revealed. It grows based on the word revealing Jesus to you. Is the logos you're reading or listening, is it, re, is it whispering the rhema? Is the spirit moving? Are you that engaged where you can hear the spirit saying, this is what I mean? Then your faith is built because in the revelation of the word, there is hope, faith, strength, peace. All that God is, is being released into you as you embrace it. And when you embrace it, you receive sonship. You receive and you receive affirmation. You receive and you're being changed and you're being molded and shaped. It is, it is in that space that, that, the, that the spirit of God is is coming in to fuse your life with his word if you are engaged if you are eating if you are eating so we don't ever want to just have this gluttonous way of handling god's word for one it's sacred it's a beautiful thing why handle something so sacred casually or just breeze through it and then you say, well, this thing with Jesus is not working. Well, that's because when you read the word, you're not invested. Are you hear what I'm saying? Some of us, oh man, I just prayed and it didn't work. It's not magic. And God knows you're not invested because them that seek him, those that are invested, those that, that truly from their heart 
are seeking, they will find him. If you truly are knocking the door open, you're truly asking. Because remember, he's staring at your heart. Your heart is revealed and open to him. And he can look at it and tell whether you're fully engaged or whether you're just trying to deal with him casually. Can you imagine dating somebody and you really are not engaged in the conversation and she's trying to pour out her heart or he's trying to pour out his heart? Do you think you're going to continue to have lunch dates or they're going to want to pour out their heart anymore to you? No, because they can tell you are not here, present. It's the same thing with the Lord. The Lord knows when you're present and when you're not. So let's not handle God's word in a way the world handles things in a gluttonous way. We just want to consume it for the purpose of consuming it, patting ourselves on the back saying, hey, I ate that. Great. I've, and I move on to the next thing and not allowing what you're consuming to truly have an impact. When we savor something, when we savor God's word, his word will speak. It will have impact. It will change. It will do what the word of God was meant to do if we allow it. Amen. Amen. So that's just a opening, salut uh, opening salutations of just, as I know sometimes people say, you know, all the time, hey, you know, reading the word, but I don't know, it's just not sinking in. It's because you're not invested. It's just what it is. Because I guarantee the thing that you are engaged and invested in, you fully are receiving and getting everything you get, but the word of God, oh, I just, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just not hitting here. It's not hitting here because something else is in its space. And you're not willing to let that go. So did what? We got to make room for him. We don't want, isn't, isn't it interesting? I, I love what the, the scripture says that, you know, there was no place for Jesus to go. So he, there was no place at the end. So he had to be born out in the stable. I don't want Jesus to have to go to the stable. I want him when he ready to come. I want him to come, come, come in, open my doors, open up my, open up my gates and let him come in. I want to always welcome him in. I don't want him to go elsewhere. God doesn't have to speak. In other words, what I mean by that, God doesn't have to speak to you third party. He doesn't always have to speak to you through a prophet, even though he uses prophets. He doesn't have to give you, he doesn't have to speak the words of knowledge, the words of wisdom all from a third party. He died so he could speak to you. But sometimes there's a blind spot there and we can't hear from the Lord or God, or it's, and we can't hear because God's voice is blocked based on us, not him. God has an, a way to speak to us, but sometimes we can't hear from him. Oh, I, I, I can't, I can't hear from Lord. Why you can't hear? Because the cares of this life have got you so taciturn or, or, or the, or the volume of your cares are turned up so loud and God's voice is turned down so low, you can't even hear it. And he's trying to tell you, go this way, go this way. But that's also a telltale of your fellowship in the word, because if you fellowship in the word, the word has this ability to till the ground of your heart so that one of the grounds that the parables describes as the person, the thorns, the word fell upon the thorns and the thorns represent the cares of this life and the cares of this life choked up the, the seed. 
the seed never got root because what you cared, what you cared, what you prioritized in your heart was a thing that laid root and the word just fell on the topsoil among the stuff that you cared about. And because you did not witness, did not honor the word when the seed was planted because there were other things that had your attention, that word never took root. It got, the seed got choked out because there was nothing for it to lay roots and grow. Seed needs ground to grow. It needs the nurture, the nutrients from the ground to grow. And for us to shift and change from where we are, it is not just prayer. It is the fellowship in the word. That's why Jesus tells him in John 17, he says, wash yourself with truth. What is truth? Truth is the word of God. So if you don't take a bath regularly in the spirit with the word, and I don't mean just reading it and then moving on. I mean, sit with the word and let the word wash you. Let the word break in and do what needs to be done here. If you don't allow it, no change really happens. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we don't want to be people that just casually do stuff. We want to, we want to be all in or not. And that's why the Lord says, I, re I respect for those, you know, I, you, you that are hot or cold, no problems with. It's the ones who are lukewarm. It's the ones who are so casual, but think there's nothing wrong with them and think that they're okay. It's because they're blind and they can't even see it. The Lord says, I will spit you out. I want no parts of that. Who in here likes luke lukewarm food? You like lukewarm food? I know you like your food hot. If you're going to eat some cold cereal, then you'll eat some cold cereal. But if you expect your food to be hot, I don't think you want it lukewarm. Because it doesn't taste good. That's what the Lord is saying. I don't want no parts of that. For you that are cold, there's still opportunity for you to become hot. And I respect because you have made a decision. But these people in the middle are indecisive. They want the, they want, they got that, uh, they got that Hannah Montana anointing. No, I'm just joking. They want the best of both worlds. You know, I, I still want, I still want the world, but I want Jesus too. Because why? Jesus, me having known Jesus helps me sleep at night while I do all the messed up stuff in the world. Mm -mm. I, I tell you, friends, you, if you are friendship with the world, there's no love of God in you. That's what the scripture says. Because he doesn't. He hates the world and I'm not talking about the earth I'm not talking about the plants I'm not talking about I'm talking about the spirit of this world. The system of this world that is demonic is what God hates. So I want to be clear on that so that you don't think like, wait a minute, God hates the world. He hates the earth. He, no, no, no. He loves people. That's why he died for him. He sent his son to die for them. But it's a system, the spirit of this world that he doesn't like. Why? Because it is demonic and it is anti-God. And it is, it is authored by the one who got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be God. Mm -mm. I hear what I'm saying. You guys okay? You guys are good? Yeah. And so just, just running with that. Just, just when we dig into the word, dig into the word, let's dig into the word and let's really eat. Let's really eat of, of the Lord. I want to, I want to read something to you. Um, and Psalms 100 it's a famous, famous Psalms. 
that is really beautiful. Uh, it's a song that David uh, sung and, 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 um, and he says, he says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Let's serve the Lord with gladness. Let's come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he has made us and not we ourselves. So no, you, you didn't make you, but here's where we want to, here's where we want to land and, and sit. We want to sit in this space here. Verse four, it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and bless his name. And we know for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures to all generation. But we want to land on verse four, where it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. What is it to enter into his gates with thanksgiving? What gates is he talking about? When you read the scripture, you should ask just, you should ask questions. Enter into the gates with thanksgiving. Hmm. So what does that mean, Lord? And it's okay to ask questions. Don't always assume you know what God's talking about. Because I'll give you a scripture that tells you you don't. Scripture, in, and I think it's Jeremiah or Isaiah, where it talks about his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And it's not to say that you never know what God's thinking. It's just to let you know that he thinks here, you think here. And, and so when you are presented with something from God, you cannot assume you understand what that is, except he give you the revelation. He give you the wisdom to see that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so we ever we don't ever want to just we don't want to just approach God's word and just say, oh, well, I understand it. I know what you're saying. No, ask and it shall be given. He says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So when I read scripture, unless in that moment, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me or allows me with my eyes to see what he's really saying, I, I'm going to be like a child because the Bible says, except you're like one of these little ones, you won't enter into the kingdom to allow the logos to whisper the rhema to me, I'm going to be a child. Why? A child is teachable. When we become adults, we get all in our heads and get logical and think that we understand and we can judge God. Well, God, you didn't do this with your word. And you don't know anything except that God reveal it. You only know what you know. So if you're humble, the humble get fed. It's not the prideful. Prideful don't they have no they don't think they need to be fed. They think they have it already. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's the humble who are thirsty. It's the humble who are hungry. And Jesus said, "My bread that I have will feed the hungry and quench the ones who are thirsty. It will satisfy them." Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when you look at where we want to look at you want to ask questions. Ask questions in that moment, because if you invite Holy Spirit in, that's why we pray. We invite Holy Spirit in to come in and teach us. He's a revealer of truth. He's there to show us all things. He's there what? Not only to reveal the Father's heart, but he's here to reveal King Jesus to us. So the more that you and I worship, pray, or read God's word with the intent of our heart that I want to see Jesus. Holy Spirit will reveal who Jesus is. He loves to. He loves to reveal who Jesus is. But is that in your heart when you're engaging? I don't know why I'm hitting that again. Because I feel like God really wants to speak to you guys here. 
And maybe some of you on here are experiencing that and you know that. Mm -hmm. But even if you do know it, there is always a deeper depth to your to your understanding of God's word. It's always more that he could hear. We're constantly being refined, constantly walking through the process of, of sanctification so that we hear better, we see better, we, we move and breathe in him and have our being. But I believe some on here have a lot of questions and the questions are right in front of you. What do I mean by that? I mean that the logos, as you fellowship, is ready to speak. The spirit is ready to speak to you, reveal to you what's going on. But it depends on what's going on here. We want to be totally invested when we are engaging God. I tell you, you want to be in you want to be invested when you engage anything that God gives you. Whether you are a mom, whether you are a dad, whether you are a brother, a sister, any relationship, anything that God gives you, be invested, be present, be present and engage so you can. Because we live in a world that is so distracted. We are so distracted by a lot of things that sometimes we're not engaging in people like this here. And sometimes I'm guilty of it too. The phone here, this thing here, you're with people and I'm saying you just want emails and this here. And they're saying that sometimes you just need to just turn that thing over or leave it in the car. <laughs> so you can engage that individual. Because I think there's, there's, some, there's something, there's nothing more dishonoring than sitting with a person and you are just constantly on that. And you were, you meant to sit with them to eat. Sometimes that's what we do with Jesus. When we're sitting in our time, we bring this into our space and we're like, okay, hold on, Jesus. I got to answer this. Oh my goodness. I can't believe she said that. Wait, hold up, hold up. Aren't you engaging Jesus? Are you hearing what I'm saying? We, we, we got to be intentional because our God is intentional. Our God is intentional. So we want to be invested in the word. Amen. Amen. So we want to land on verse four and it says here, it says, enter into this gates of Thanksgiving. I was, up, I was in a trip uh, last week. I was at a conference and, um, and they talked about that a little bit uh, here and there. They encourage people and you hear people encouraging, but I was just in this space where I'm, I'm standing next to a friend and I'm, we're just praying. We're just enjoying the, the presence of God. We're just praying. And all of a sudden, I just begin to just thank God for the presence. I just begin to thank God for whatever you want to do tonight. I thank God for this. I just begin to get into this space of just truly thanking the Lord, just thanking him, just thanking him, thanking him, thanking him, just thanking him. And all of a sudden, in this space of thanksgiving, God begins to move. The Lord, there's something about thanksgiving that moves God that moves the spirit of the Lord to do things, to release things. You can hear things when you're in Thanksgiving. I'll give you an example. When you look at, um, you look at the children of Israel and the Lord brought them into the, through the Red Sea and they celebrated and they were happy. And then all of a sudden the first crisis they were hit with was that they were thirsty. They needed water. And as they were, uh, uh, asking for water or better yet, they wasn't asking for water. They were complaining. Let's just be true. They were complaining about water. And here's a God that just brought them out of Egypt. He didn't bring them out poor. He brought them out. He bankrupt Egypt, brought them out with all their stuff, brought them through supernaturally through, through the Red Sea. And they get on the other side and they're, you know, Hey, we're celebrating that we get, we need some water because the waters that they had come to was bitter waters. 
and and instead of you know just saying you know well lord you did this you did this you did this we just go we're gonna thank you they begin to complain ah we in the water ah where am i gonna get some water moses why you bring us out here ain't no water it's hot out here man this water is nasty it's bitter we can't drink that god being gracious being merciful because why these people have been in bondage for generations. They've been in there for 40 and 30 years. So generational things they've been up under. But God's tolerance is only so much. So they, they, he tells Moses what to do. Those are a root into the water, makes the water sweet. Makes it like your best, your best takes water like it makes it like your best drink that you want to drink. And they drunk it. Now, if God would do something like that in this moment where out of your faucet where your water was bad and out of it came out, you know, uh, green tea or, or, or some or some country time lemonade or whatever the case is, and you drunk and you're like, oh, Lord, this is so good and so refreshing. Thank you. No, it was not. Thank you. It was. <laughs> and then what? Then they went on to the next thing. <sighs> we hungry. When are you going to feed us? So the Lord gives them bread. Manna tells him how to eat it. He says, I want you to see this here. I want you to see this. He says here, I, uh, I'm going to give you manna every day. For six days, I'm going to give you manna. And on that sixth day, I'm going to give you double. Because on the seventh day, no man's going to work. Because it was the Sabbath. So on that sixth day, he would give them more than enough for that seventh day. So they wouldn't have to go and they would have plenty to eat. Here's the thing. That manna came daily and they were not to save it over to the next day. Why? Because it was teaching them to trust the Lord. That if you brought manna today, God's going to bring manna tomorrow. And if he brought manna tomorrow, then he'll bring it the next day. He was teaching them how to faith in them. But they never saw it. All they saw was this bread he was giving them. Does that sound familiar? That sounds like that glutton spirit. That spirit of the world that is glutton. They don't see anything but what they want. And you hear what I'm saying? And so they, they get this bread and they eat it. And the Bible even says that they disobey God. And some kept it over. And guess what happened? Worms develop in it. When you don't trust God, you get the worms. Now you hear what I'm saying? If he gave you provision today, he's going to do it tomorrow. Give us this day our daily bread. That's why that's in the Lord's prayer. You can ask and he'll give us daily bread. He will put you in a situation where you have daily bread, where you can eat. David said, I've been young and I've been old and yet have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed. What? Begging bread. Because why? Our good father, if we're in good relationship, will take care of us. He will look after us. And so they kept it. After a while, the bread got old. They wasn't thankful. The bread got old. I'm tired of eating bread. God, I want meat. I'm done with this manna. Lord gets angry. He's had enough of this. So he gives him quail. Gives him all the quail. 
he gave them so much quail to eat that it made them sick to their stomach. Why? Because God was trying to show them that they were ungrateful. They, the, when you are always looking to complain, when you don't have a thankful heart, then guess what? Guess what? I want you to guess. Tell me. When you don't have a, an, an, when you don't have a thankful heart, for one, you're not at peace. You're, you're, you're striving. You're that orphan. You're that, that kid that throws that temper tantrum when you don't get what you want. because you have no trust that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And the Lord kept doing it, kept providing for them. And it kept provoking the anger of God. When you read Hebrews, uh, I think it's Hebrews four, where Hebrews four talks about how the gospel that you and I received today was preached to the children of Israel. And when it was preached to them, they never counted anything that God said or did for faith. When you don't have a thankful heart and you're always complaining, guess what happens? You can never see the things that God is doing. You are operating in this gluttonous spirit that I just want, 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 and you can't see anything. You're blinded. You're blinded. You can't see it at all. All you want is, I just want this. I want God to do this for me. I want God to show me he can do this. Well, he showed you. He showed you a few weeks ago. He shows you the, He shows you daily. He gives you breath to breathe every day. Is that not enough? Do you really think that you get up in the morning on your own? Do you really think that you cause yourself to breathe? You can breathe that science nonsense if you want. Well, it is. It is, it is the involuntary part of your brain that allows your lungs to breathe. Well, let me tell you, that may be the case to explain how that operates, but let me tell you, friend, who created that? Who created that so it can continue to do that day in and day out? Our Lord did that, our creator, our father, who is a good father who gives good gifts give you the breath in your lungs not you and the very breath in his lungs is him the bible says he breathed the breath of life in adam and he became a living soul adam would have been just a piece of the earth laying there like a mummy he'd be just like not a mummy he'd be like a mannequin looking like a man looking like a human but no life in him because why the thing that gives life, or I should say not the thing, the person who gives life hadn't breathed in him yet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He breathes and you live. Your life is in his hands and he has gracefully allowed you to get up every morning with fresh breath in your lungs. That alone is enough to say, God, thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for grace and mercy that is fresh every day, that is there to greet me when I wake up. 
to help me aid me in my day. Thank you that as I make you my habitation, your goodness and mercy follows me. This is David's testimony in Psalms 23. He said, because you are my habitation, your goodness, which is God's glory, God's sweetness, God's kindness, God's favor, God's blessing, and mercy, mercy allowing me to be shielded from the things that would have access to me, it can't. Or even when I make mistakes, he's that good father that's not looking to punish me, He's looking to woo me in with his love so that why, when I see how loving he is and I look at what I'm doing, I'm saying, God, I don't want to do this anymore because I do not want to grieve you. I realize that what I do does not determine how you love me. You love me whether I am good or bad, but I want to be good. I want to be good. Because the love that you give me, man, I, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be treated good when I've done good, when I've done bad. But then the kingdom of God is different because what is he after? He understands there's a sin nature. There's an area of your life that he's tr you're trying to overcome. And so God meets you with love because the Bible says love conquers all. The love of God conquers all because he is love. And why is he coming at you with love? Because he's constantly reminding you, dear ones, remember you are of me for I am love. So love, the person love, Yahweh, Jesus, Holy Spirit is coming to you, meeting you in your mess with love because it is a refresher. It is a reminder that you, dear one, are love because you come from me. The world outside of God, the world that does not have a covenant is in search of love. Hence all the TV shows, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, all these things that facilitate uh, the children or foster these people in search of, oh my great love, or the love of my life, the story Cinderella. She's looking for the love of her life to lift her out of all the stuff. Can I tell you, friends, ain't no individual able to lift you out. And even if he was rich, he or she was rich. All they could do is basically change your situation monetarily. But they cannot do anything for your soul. They cannot do anything for who you are because you're just not you're just not a physical being. The real you is is only what God can feel and heal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are a lot of people that got money and are miserable. So we know money is not the answer to the things concerning us. The Bible does say money answers all things concerning this realm here, paying your bills, having money to do this and do these various things, or even fund the kingdom in terms of advancing and buying books and doing all these things to go here. But even money is limited, does not have the capacity and yet people worship it. You guys can chime in anytime you want. I'm just I'm just flowing with the spirit, flowing with the spirit. But we we're talking about enter into his gates with thanksgiving. 
What is that? And so I'm giving you a picture of Israel, how they, they continued to just be ungrateful. Do you know being ungrateful or always complaining can keep you from jumping into the promise? I played a song. We, uh, our souls live in silence. We rest in silence, waiting for who? Waiting for you. Waiting for the promise of the outpouring. Waiting for the promise of the things that God is promising you. We're waiting in silence. Not silence meaning that we're not doing nothing, but that we're occupying and that we're waiting in this space of, of anticipation, of expectation, of thanksgiving, knowing that the God that said it is going to do it. And I'm going to wait in silence, meaning I'm not going to say anything contrary or anything that against my God that would allow him to see me in another light. I won't, I won't say anything. What I'm going to say what I'm going to speak is even if I'm hurting in the midst of a situation, I'm going, I, I, I'll cry. Lord, just give me strength. But I'm not going to speak anything. I'm not going to, I'm not going to magnify circumstances and things bigger than my God. I'm not going, I'm going to find a way to stay in thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving has this ability to navigate, navigate you through the seas when things get tough, when things get rough. It has this ability to navigate you, to get you to where you go. There's a scripture in Psalms that says this in Psalm 60, in Psalms, I think it's 66. I think it's 66. I had it just here. 6613. It says this here. It says in verse 12, it says, and thou has caused men to ride over our heads. And we went through the fire and we went through the water, but thou brought us into a wealthy place. You didn't allow the fire to consume us. You didn't allow the water, us to drown in the water. We were able to get through. And even when people were taking advantage or using us or, or coming against us, you didn't allow none of that. You didn't allow any of that. Why? Because in even in the midst of that, I, God, I know that you said that this is what's going to happen. I know you said that this is going to take place. I know that you said that I'm going to do this here. There's a part of faith that talks about, I know that you are true. I know that what you're saying is true. I may, it may not be here in my face, but, but by faith, I know that what you said is going to manifest and it's me pulling on that. It's me staying in Thanksgiving, allowing my boat that I'm navigating through this stuff to set my coordinates to the, the, the gates of God. I'm going to stay in the gates of God. Thanksgiving keeps you before the Lord. It keeps you right in his face. It keeps you right in the gates of God. It keeps you right where you can hear him. It keeps you right where you can, you can sense him. You can smell him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, how boisterous the wind and the waves are. If you are in Thanksgiving, it cannot infringe on that. It will not hinder your ability to hear from God. 
because I'll, I'll give you examples in the scripture where God has spoken to people who were rid with fear and anxiety and depressed. And he still spoke to them. Because why? This was a situation that they were dealing with. But truly in their hearts, they were in thanksgiving. Truly in their hearts. Why? And I, I, Elijah. Now people say, you know, Elijah, yeah. Elijah was a mighty man of God. But he was, the Bible says in James, he's just like you and I. He's just like you and I. God used him mightily, but he was just like you and I. What I mean by that means he had his challenges. He he dealt with fear and anxiety and depression. Because he calls down fire from heaven. Fire comes. All the foreign prophets of Baal, they all get wiped out. And then Jezebel, a woman, comes up and says, I'm going to kill you. And then guess what? He runs. Runs to hide in a cave. And the Lord comes to him and says, why are you here? I love that about the Lord. The Lord is always, the Lord will always ask questions. Why is he asking a question? Because he wants you to wake up out of your stupor and begin to assess your heart. Yeah, why am I here? How'd I get here? He says, why are you here, Elijah? Why are you here? Why are you here? You're not supposed to be here. I didn't tell you to come here. Why are you here? because anxiety and fear. Maybe in that area, maybe where what she said hit an area that is not under God's management. And when it's not under God's management, that means it's under the management of something else. Have you seen some in businesses where it says, this business is now under new management. And you know, and, and it's, it's to reassure the consumer that what was going on before won't be happening now. Things are going to be better because it's under new management. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so when you think about that, you think about being under new management. That means I'm going to operate different. I'm going to do things differently. It's not under the old management. But when those things in your heart are not under surrendered under the mighty hand of God, you have no ability in yourself to resist the devil so that he can flee from you. When you haven't surrendered those things to the Lord, they're not covered by the shadows of the Almighty. We want to bring everything under the hands of God. We want to bring everything under him, everything. You may be good here, but if this is an access point where you haven't and you're still holding on or you, whatever reason you're still holding on to this, you haven't let this go, you haven't made room for the Lord, guess what? That'll be something the enemy goes after because why? He's looking for the weak areas. He's looking for the areas that are isolated. Why? Because those are access points. So that's why he said that's why he roams like a lion, seeking who he may devour because the characteristic of a lion is that what? <clears throat> a lion is looking for the weak one. It's looking for the, the, the one that's isolated by itself, that doesn't have a community to protect it, but it's, but it's, but it's looking and what, and what does it do? It goes after it. It's the same thing in your heart. If you got openings in your heart, it will go after those things. It will go after those areas. You hear what I'm saying? And so it says here in verse 12, uh, verse 13, it says, and I will go into the house of God with burnt offerings and I will pay thee my vow. After you have caused men to ride over my head, after you have taken me through the fire and I'm burned, after you have taken me through the water and the water has not drowned me, 
I am going to go in the house of the Lord and bring you an offering of thanksgiving because you kept me when they were lying on me and saying things about me and putting me down and, and, and trying to just do everything they could. You kept me when the intensity of the trial was so fiery and, and hurtful and burning. You kept me when they wanted to just, the flood of the enemy wanted to just wash me down the road. And the Bible says in Revelations 12 that the, the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up the flood of the enemy so that it would not hurt the woman who was, who was giving birth to the child. God will do any and everything to preserve his kids because he's a good father. And all he asks is that you stay in thanksgiving. And in order for you to stay in thanksgiving, it, is, it, is, it, it, it requires effort for you to believe that I'm, I'm no longer just praying or that prayer looks like after I've asked him, it looks like I'm, I'm just thanking him. Your prayer has to shift from God, give me, God, I want your presence to thank you, Lord, that you give me your presence, that you rest on me. Thank you that you are providing for me. Thank you that you are healing me. Thank you that you are giving me strength, that as my day is, so shall my strength be. Thank you that you lead me and guide me in all truth and show me things to come. There is a progression that happens when I go from asking to thanking God for the thing that I'm asking for. I thank you because what happens is that I came in with this expectation that God hears me and, and, and is going to honor my request as long as it's according to his will. Now, there are things that God said, I'm going to take care of, that he will take care of because he's a good father. But there are times when there are things that you are asking that once you have asked, he heard you the first time. Can I tell you in Daniel chapter, Daniel chapter 10, when Daniel prayed and he didn't hear a response from God, but Daniel prayed. And then when he didn't hear a response from God, this is a man of God that prayed three times a day. This is a man of God that was so invested and so, so connected and walking in such intimacy with the Lord. It was commonplace for him to fellowship with God, to hear God's voice. All of a sudden he gets into space and, and, and he's asking something and he hears nothing. And he continues to lean in. God, did you hear me? God, did you hear me? And then all of a sudden in the story, this is the Old Testament. The angel comes down, angel Gabriel comes down and gives him a message and says, mighty man of God, don't be afraid. God heard you on the first day. The very first day that you pray, he heard you. This is for you on here that don't think God heard you or that God is listening. He heard you on the very first day that you prayed. He heard it before you even spoke it out of your mouth because he says, I know the needs that you have before you even come to me. I know it already, but I allow you to speak, allow you to say it. 
But do you say it with expectation that God is going to is going to live up to His word? Do you say it with the expectation that the Lord is going to move or that He can be trusted? I know sometimes we we cry prayer prayers of desperation. God, I need your help. I need your help. And sometimes that's the best prayers to pray. But at some point, if God answers all your desperation prayers, let's not be like the children of Israel where God answers the call, but we never account him faithful. We never esteem him faithful. In Hebrews 11, I'm going to just, in Hebrews 4, I'm going to turn to it real quick because I want to read this to you because this is tied into you being able to be in thanksgiving. You understand what they didn't do. Hebrews uh, chapter 4, I believe it is. Let's turn to it real quick. I'm going to read that to you. Mm, Hebrews chapter 4. All right, all right, all right. Let's see, is that Hebrews 4? Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, Hebrews 4. It says here in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Let us therefore fear, lest any promise be left of us, uh, left uh, keep us from entering into God's rest. Any of you should esteem, should seem to come up short. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. So he's saying the, the writer of Hebrews is New Testament. He's saying the gospel was preached to you, and the gospel was preached to them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith to them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if thou shall not, you shall not enter into my rest. Although the works of, of the works were finished from the foundations of the earth. And so here is Paul, or I believe the writer of Paul, uh, is, is speaking about the children of Israel. How they never took what God did and counted for faith. They never took it for faith. They just continued to be this complaining, gluttonous people that just, I won't, 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 and never saw that every time they wanted, the shepherd kept them from wanting. He really walked that scripture out. Thou, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He was the shepherd that was shepherding them through the wilderness, and when they wanted, he kept them from wanting. When they wanted, he kept them from wanting. He wanted, they kept him from wanting. He wanted, they kept him from wanting. The sad part was, they never came into Thanksgiving. They never were grateful for what he did. They didn't have an offering. They didn't bring burnt offerings unto the Lord. God, I thank you for what you've done, how you have got me through this week at work. I didn't want to get up and work. I may not even like my job, but you got me through. You got me through with people. I don't like some of them. I need the victory. I need healing in that area, but you got me through. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are grateful for the moments that God gets us through. And you realize it is his, it's, it's his wisdom, it's his grace, it's, it's his hand of favor that opens the doors that make a way for us. How long will we complain and treat God like he's never done nothing? Or treat God like he's just sitting there with his hands twitting his thumbs and he really doesn't have any plan. Not knowing that your heart posture is actually basically not allowing help to come in. 
Because I guarantee you, you know what happened to the children of Israel? There's a oath, there's a state, there's a phrase an old friend said. He said, he preached this message years ago. He said, the gripers get the vipers. That was his message. The gripers get the vipers. What is griping? Griping is another way of saying they are complainers. There is no thanksgiving in them. They're not thankful or grateful for anything they do. All they do is complain. So the gripers got the vipers. That because they were complaining and griping against Moses and against God, the vipers, the snakes, came and bit them. And it was the story where the Lord, where Moses is told to lift up the brazen serpent. And if they looked, they would lift. Again, he comes to give you life. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you will live. I told a friend walking through a challenging situation that was going to challenge everything in them. This very thing could have very well caused them to run the other way and say, I don't want to do this at all. And actually this person has had so many life events. And I know this person personally have had life events that have tried to just take them out. But God, but God, and I remember this person was faced with something. It's nothing. It's crazy when you have your family turn against you because of something that you decide to do. And I remember telling this individual, I said, keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't put your eyes nowhere else. Stay, keep your gaze on him. It's the same thing. Look and live. If you don't look and live, you will die. The humble will get fed. The humble will get their thirst quenched. The humble will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they what? Shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, that when they go through the fire, they won't get burned. Blessed are the meek, when they go through the water, they won't drown. Blessed are the meek, when men roll over their heads, they won't, they won't take them out. Because why? My God, our God, brings them into a wealthy place. And I'm here today that the individual that I told is on the other side. Because that person kept their eyes on the Lord. And it didn't matter because I said it. I just gave them a word of the Lord. The job now is up to them to put that to practice. Some of us want God's word to be magic. I speak it and it happens. No, there is a partnership that you partner with. You got to receive that word. The Bible says as many as receive the word, gave he the power to become the sons of God. I say it like that because he is the word. John said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word is God. So when you receive Jesus or you receive the word, the word has this ability to conform you to the image of his son. If you receive it. So you need to embrace him. And that individual kept, and, it, and I'll tell you, to tell you it isn't magic, 
that individual kept their eyes on Jesus and the stuff got worse. Did it mean that the word of the Lord was wrong? No. Do you really think the enemy is going to, um, sometimes in certain cases, do you really think when you're dealing with people or dealing with the enemy, do you really think they're going to turn it down and be like, oh, wait, you heard the word of the Lord. Amen. I guess we need to back on off. God will use all things. And we see that in the Bible from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, God will use them. He's used people to chastise his people. And when he's done, then he go, he wiped the floor with the other people. God will use things to bring us into a space to get us where we need to go. Everything that God does is intentional. And it's our job, our job to stay in Thanksgiving. Because he is still going to be God. He's still going to take care of you. He's still going to look after you. But you're walking through the situation. And that individual got on the other side of it. And that person kept telling me every time. I was slapped in the face or I was punched in the face. And I don't mean physically. I mean that circumstances just was trying to take their punches. That person said, I could hear your voice in my ear saying, keep your eyes on Jesus. 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 Keep your eyes on Jesus because he's the only one that's going to get you through. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No other man or woman are going to get you through anything. God uses people, yes, but it is he that is going to get you through. Not you. Not you. It is him that gets you through and it grieves his heart. When you won't give him an opportunity to show you who he is. It grieves his heart when you, when he's done things time and time again, and you just act like he has not done nothing at all. You treat him like he's a liar, like he's an infidel, that he doesn't take care of his kids. And I can say this with tears in my eyes because I've been you. But then I've also seen him be faithful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We got, we got to get to the place where we begin to believe God with the little bit of faith that you got. Then you just take that little bit of faith and you run with that until you get strengthened. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But we cannot no longer stay in a space where we're just going to gripe and complain about everything that is happening. If you're going to be in that space, I guarantee you that will eat your lunch every day and it won't be God's fault. Because we like to blame him. Oh, it's your fault I'm in this situation. If you really love me, God, why, why is this like this? Trust me, I've done that. So I can say that I've done that. I got the t-shirt. I've done that. I've said those things. Accusing God like I was his judge. Like I could judge him. Throwing his word in his face as though he didn't know what he said. But throwing it, challenging him, saying, if you're really God, do it. And he corrected me on that. I didn't know I was doing that. 
and he sternly correct me because he loves me. But for, for, for anybody for anybody else, he, he could have struck me dead for basically challenging God saying if you basically, and I didn't say it in those words, but my heart posture was where your word says this. So basically say, if you're really God, then you would do what your word says. That's dangerous ground. Do you, are you hearing what I'm saying? That is dangerous ground. You are basically saying he is a liar and he doesn't keep his word. He's man. You have just brought God down to this level. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I hope you hear the gravity of what I'm saying. I've been that person. I've said those things out of frustration, out of anger, not understanding what Thanksgiving is, but being frustrated, being upset, allowing my emotions to rule and reign my mouth. And it was of God's kindness and mercy that he did not kill me. Because God gets no benefit of you dying. He doesn't get no joy out of you dying. He knows that you don't know, but like a father, he will correct you. And he did. He correct me. He correct me. Why? Because he said, I chasten those that I love. I chasten those that I love. I don't want you to ever act like that. I don't want you to ever treat me like you, like the people here on earth. The people around you, they fail sometimes. They don't mean to. There's some people that do, but they don't mean to. We're all learning to get better. But he'll never fail us. He'll never fail us. He will never fail us. And God places people in your life to be a blessing to you. But if you don't have a thankful heart, if you are not grateful and you're always looking that what, what I had was better, what I had was better, what I had was better. No, it wasn't because if it was, you'd still be there. Are you hear what I'm saying today? God is really wanting to help his people, really wanting his people to understand. When you stand in Thanksgiving, it is not standing in Thanksgiving when it is great. It is standing in Thanksgiving because I know that even when it is not good, you are going to be faithful. You are going to have me. And I want to stay in Thanksgiving because I don't ever want to be in a space where I don't hear from you where I can't hear from you. I don't want to be in a space where I can't see where I'm going. I can't hear the Holy Spirit say, go left or right. I don't ever want to be in that space where I'm just blinded and I just feel hopeless. If I stay in Thanksgiving, the one who is hope will give me hope. The one who is help, he will help me. He'll take me by the right hand and I don't have to fear nor be dismayed because he will help me. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And then there's a progression. And into his courts with praise. So that means your thanksgiving in the midst of stuff comes to this place of praise. You can see that progression in David's Psalms. Where David would start out, God, man, this is horrible. I, the people, the, the, the unrighteous, they're laughing at me, making fun of me. It would almost seem that it, what they got is better than me. But then he would say, but oh, the Lord, 
who is faithful, who is the king of all kings. You will be my shield and buckler. You will stand up for my help. And when they come to eat upon my flesh, they will stumble and fall. David had this way of always coming back to that thanksgiving and that praise. He would tell God his situation, but he had this way of always majoring and ending on that high note. And that high note is Christ Jesus. He would say, this is happening, God, but you, but you are better. Because why? Because in David's heart was thanksgiving. He was truly grateful and truly thankful for what God has done. We all need to be in that space. We need to be truly thankful. The Bible says, in all things, give thanks. Now, what is what do I mean by that? I mean, I don't mean... Oh, oh God, I'm thankful for being in a car accident or I'm thankful for. No, that even if I got into one or even if uh, you lost your job, even if you, you don't have this, he's still worthy to be praised. My ability to praise him and offer him an offering unto God is not predicated on what's good and what's bad happening in my life. It's easy to praise God and offer offerings to him before the Lord. When you got your job working, you got bonuses and all the stuff and you're buying stuff and everything is good. It's good to offer up offerings. But what about the times when it's not that good? Can you still offer up an offering of thanksgiving to the Lord? Is he not worthy of that? Because it is the thanksgiving that keeps us before the Lord, but it is the thanksgiving that activates that activates heaven on your behalf to give you the help, the provision, the deliverance, whatever it is that you need in every given situation. It has this ability to release heaven. And I was in the service and I just watched the presence of God come in such a way with thanksgiving. The Bible says, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. He says, I've already given it to you. And if he's already given it to you, so when somebody gives it to you, what do you say? What do you say? If I gave you a gift right now, what would you say? You would say nothing? Say thank you. So if I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness, then I would say thank you. And then I would, because he's so good, then my whole heart posture and life every day that I get up, thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that situation that's challenging me. Thank you, because why? The thanksgiving is not, God's worthiness to be praised has nothing to do with my circumstances, but it also, the thanksgiving has this ability to bring me into and access the promise of God that says that don't worry, I'm going to get you through this. Don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm your shield and buckler. I'm your, I'm your fortress. I'm your strong tower. I'm the one you lean. I'm the one that will fight against those that will fight against you. I'm the one that wages war on your behalf. I'm the one that gives life and that more abundantly. I will give back what you have sacrificed, what you have given away to go after me. I will give that back. No man has lived and done these things and not God receives it all back. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Thanksgiving accesses the promises of God. So I can wait in silence. Silence meaning I am not going to 
shout or or pro, or or say anything contrary to the word but i wait in this silence this rest of god that says in my grateful thankful heart that even though this is what it is god is still god and is going to be god and it does not matter what man does because man makes many plans but it is the purpose and will of god that prevails and because my god our god is our father then what he does will work for our good because his plans for us are good and he knows your he knows your life he knows who he knows he just knows are you hear what i'm saying that we are to be a people that Thanksgiving is not something we do once a year. And it's not a Thanksgiving message. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanksgiving is not something we do once a year, like the world. Oh, for one day, I'm going to not be a glutton. Although their version of Thanksgiving inspires them to be a glutton. Why? Because they go from house to house, eating all the food, eating all the food. Are you truly thankful for the food? Or are you just happy you got invited and you're able to stack up and have all kind of leftovers to bring home and you can just eat, eat, eat? But just not ever taking the, a, a gravity that there's some out there that don't have a place. They didn't get an invitation to go eat anywhere. They're out on the street. Yeah, you say, well, that's not my problem. No, no, no. Yeah, they may have gotten there through circumstance, but the point is... Are you grateful for being able to go from your friend's house or this friend's house or your family's house to eat and understand that you guys have it to be able to eat and share and break bread? Or has Thanksgiving just become this thing where I just get to be a glutton on that day? Yes, thank you for providing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you see the spirit of the world that even their version of what Thanksgiving is really isn't that thankful. I know this is this is something, but this is what God impressed upon my heart. This is what the space that we we really need to truly be grateful. When I get up in the morning, I say, God, I thank you for the bed that I lay in. I thank you for the house that I sleep in. I thank you for my car that I drive. I thank you for the provision. I thank God for the food. I thank God for the people that are in my life. I thank you for the breath in my lungs. I thank you God for the Holy Spirit that lives in me, that makes me a son. Every day, I, I thank him for those things. Because Thanksgiving isn't something I do. It's, it's how I feel in my heart. Because I know he's the one that made this possible. He's the one that worketh the good work on my behalf. He's the one that is moving and breathing or moving the king's hearts in my favor when they would normally say no to me. He he moves them in my favor because that's the power of thanksgiving. It's not thanks, it's not, not I'm not thankful because he gives me. I'm thankful because of what he's already done. He's already proved himself to be God. He doesn't have to do anything else. If he doesn't want to, he doesn't do anything. He's he's already done enough. Is is breathing not enough? And if you think that you breathe on your own, then hold your own breath. I guarantee you, you'll fall out and you'll and you'll die. And it'll be the mercy of God to keep you from dying. You didn't keep you. 
People of God, let's not be petty. Let's not be like the world. Let's break that conformity, that mindset of the world that is glutton, that just wants to consume. Just, I just want to eat everything. I don't care where it came from. Just give it to me. Let's not treat our God like that. Let's not treat our father like that. He's our father who is a king, who is a good shepherd that leads. Let us give thanks for everything that comes. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because I know you're working it out. I know, God, my life is in your hands. Let's not be a people that, that just complains. And I know sometimes stuff happens. You're like, man, God. Uh. But David did the same thing. I love Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson said this, that when he would face it, he learned to discipline himself that when he would find that he was in a challenging situation, he'd read the Psalms. Why? Because the Psalms identify, you read the Psalms, you read a couple of those Psalms, you're just like, man, that brother was going through it. He, these are songs that he was writing, but he would always, always, always end with God, you are amazing. You would always see that transgress. You would see that transition. He would transition from this place of just like, God, I'm in despair. I really need you to this place of that you are going to meet me. You are going to save me. That the righteous will not be moved if we cast our burdens on you. Uh, uh, you know, David would say these things and Bill Johnson said he would, he would read. He would read the Psalms and he would read the Psalms till he found his voice. And when he found the psalm that bet that best broke that best spoke to him about his situation, that's what he would say to God. He would proclaim that to the Lord. He would worship the Lord with the word. The Bible says, "Worshippers must worship Him. True worshipers must worship the Lord in what? In spirit and in truth." What better way to worship with God with the word? To say, God, this scripture I'm saying represents what I'm feeling and just my situation right now, and I just want to magnify you in this. I just want to put this back before you. Thanksgiving has this ability to keep you into the shadows of the Almighty, keep you under the mighty hand of God. And it allows you to be able, it sustains you. There's more to Thanksgiving when you have this grateful, thankful heart that we have access to. And so where if in this moment, if you haven't been grateful, and you know that areas where you've just been just a complainer and just a brat, I, I would encourage you to repent. I would encourage you to repent and say, God, today it ends. I'm going to truly be, I'm going to truly make an effort to be thankful. Because in spite of my griping and complaining, you are still good to me. And I don't give you credit. I don't give you credit. I don't give you enough credit for what you do do in spite of my nonsense. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let us be a people that truly honor the Lord, that truly know he just he is he is not just in the building, but that he's in us and we're in him. That he tabernacles with us daily. Can can we be that woman that just recognizes Jesus in the room and realize who he is and just break our box and say, you, it doesn't matter my sinful life or what I'm in. 
but you, you are worthy of it all. And she took everything she had and she gave it. She gave him an offering of thanksgiving. She gave him an offering of thanksgiving and gratefulness and saying, hey, yes, I shouldn't even be touching you culturally because of what I've been doing and where I've come from. But because I know who you are, because I know what you stand for, that if all I get to do is just to wipe your feet with my tears and wipe them off with my hair, I'll do that for the days of that woman. The Bible says, the Bible says, that story is told about that woman. We, we read about what she did more than 2,000 years ago. And the ones who were the religious people, the religious folk, the folk that have it all together, can't believe Jesus would allow, that, allow her to touch him. If he really was a man of God, he would have known who that, that, that woman was. And Jesus looks at him and says, hmm, that's the problem. You are so prideful and you are blind. And you don't even, you have no humility. I give grace to the humble, but the pride, the prideful, I resist. You hear what I'm saying? We want to be, we want to give thanks in everything. We want to be a people that is truly grateful and make it a point to be grateful for what we give. And not, not just grateful to God, but even grateful to your fellow man. When people do stuff, say thank you and truly mean it. Don't be, ah, got me that. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. Because if you're thankful to God, but you can't be thankful to the brother you still see, trust me, you, you don't have a grateful heart. That's just like saying, I love God and I hate, I hate the brother I see every day. How are you going to hate his image and say you love him? Mm -mm. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be grateful. Amen. How are you guys? You guys good? Uh, yeah, I feel that I eat. I feel that it's a, I know it's a convicting coffee time with Jesus, but sometimes we need to 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 really open the bread and, and let that bread convict us. Because when it brings conviction, it's not not con, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation mm -hmm. is intending to destroy. Thanks. Uh, but conviction, it highlights and even when you feel that sobering moment, you're like, oh, man, that really is. It is still just convicting you. It's shedding the light, shining the light that may be on the area where you're not. And, and it's a place where you can say, hey, I'm not acting like that. I'm going to bring that under the hands of the Lord. Because I really believe just watching the power of... Um, of just God to to just do what he he does best. He he is he is grateful. He's faithful. He's faithful when we're not faithful to him. And so I just encourage us all and even those that are going to listen. Let us be a people that truly are grateful to God. Let us not be the people that always point the finger and say God it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Well if you were God then this wouldn't happen. 
Stop that. We need to knock that off. You have no right to judge God. You can't even you can't even wake your own self up or adjudicate over your affairs properly, but you have this authority to judge God? Uh uh. You're a delusion. Amen. Oh man, this is good. This is coffee with Jesus. This is my new coffee cup I got when I was on my trip. I stopped through San Francisco. Mm. And um, so I'm drinking from a new cup this morning. And um, yeah, and so the trip was an amazing trip. Amazing encounters with the Lord. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, love you, Arlene. Yeah, um, you know, just just amazing time with the Lord. Amazing uh, deposits of of the Lord. That um, that um, but one of, this is one of the things that the Lord really highlighted: the power of Thanksgiving, of just Thanksgiving and what it is, and just even how, even in a place of just thanking God, that we go from, you know, you know, it's just like saying somebody saying in the room. The anointing is in the room. Then I'm like, Lord, thank you for the anointing being in the room. Thank you for it resting on me like Shekinah glory. Because what you're doing in Thanksgiving, you're welcoming what God is saying through the individual or even through the word. You're welcoming that onto you. You're welcoming it. I'm thanking you for it in advance. And I know that that phrase, thanking in advance, is so cliche. People have said it so many times, but truth of the matter is if you truly mean it in your heart God is going to respond that's why I said in the beginning I said if you truly are a seeker you will find him if you truly are engaging your what you engage God's going to meet that let us be a people that are truly going after the things of God from our heart because when we meet God in that space he's going to meet us trust me heaven is ready to respond to anything the earth wants to do we just need, he just needs the earth to rip their hearts open and be ready to receive with heaven. Let's not rip our garments, but let's rip our hearts open. Garments mean nothing. You can rip your heart, you can rip your garments, but your heart is hardened towards God. You won't receive anything. What, what moves God is when your heart posture is ripped open for him. Then he will move. Then he will move. Father, I pray, I pray that this message, this time, this coffee time, Lord, that we, as we ate on the bread and we feasted on the bread, and even when we ate the bread and it challenged us, it still was good. It still was good because being challenged by you, being, being things being highlighted by you is so sweet and good because it's, it's from love. It's from love. We love you today, Lord, and we, I speak that the words that were spoken would land in their hearts and their heart and it would take seed take root and grow and i pray that whatever was highlighted be be obliterated by the word of god that the fire of god would burn it out that if there's any heart in areas that the sledgehammer of the word would smash it out father i pray that lord that that, that the that the area of their heart would be cleared out and that whatever is foreignly in there would be evicted out 
so that you can so that you can come in and fill it. Father, I blessing each and every one of them. I surround, I plead the, the blood over them, and I say that the fire of God would, would surround them like a wall, like a fortress. And that, Father, I pray that the that the the witchcraft, I pray that right now the 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 flood of the enemy in this month, that they want to flood our TVs and flood our neighborhoods with this stuff that the earth would open up and swallow up the flood of the enemy that's in Revelation. That it would swallow it up when it is trying to come near us, when it is trying to come near our dwelling or near our stuff, that the hand of God would shine that much brighter because God is greater than anything that the enemy will ever do. And we speak that and we plead the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name and Father, I just pray that the spirit of wisdom would rest on him. That the spirit of wisdom and understanding would rest on him freshly. We thank you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.